Where's Bill and his bathing suit? Back in the tent. All right, again. It's found in Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 23. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So that place was called Tabitha, because fire from the Lord had burned among them. The rabble with them began to crave other food, and again the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this man. The manna was like corinder seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering and then ground it in a hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot or made it into cakes, and it tasted like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Moses heard the people of every family wailing, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their forefathers? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you are going to treat me, put me to death right now. If I have found favor in your eyes, and do not let me face my own ruin. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders, who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting, that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there. I will take of the, spi of the spirit that is on you and put the spirit on them. They will help you carry the burdens of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five, ten, or twenty days but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you know it. 
because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him, saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? But Moses said, Here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month? Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? The Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm too short? You will now see whether or not what I say will come true for you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Jude might have to take a nap after that long read. <laughs> Moses there sounds a little bit like Pastor Melissa when we're traveling with our kids. Oh, just kill me now. <laughs> Actually, we had a really good, um, after the whole ordeal, we, we, we still went to Florida for our trip as... We had to get Marley there, and it was a great distraction. It was a wonderful trip, with all things considered. And the kids were terrific, in all honesty. Uh, a couple of times, here and there, uh, when they were tired or hungry, you know, we would hear these kinds of complaints. Uh, we had several wilderness-type experiences, uh, but the one that sticks in our mind most as and one of the things people would say, like how, you know, how, how can you travel with a family of eight, including two under two? And uh, I say very carefully. And in all seriousness, get it out. And then in fact, an important part of, of traveling as a team, whether they're your family or otherwise, is we have a team meeting afterwards and during uh, the trip as well. But afterwards, as we were debriefing, Melissa and I pointed to the same experience that was a wilderness-like experience, and that was to save a few bucks, as I have been known to do. I made an unwise choice, and that was to fly home at 9 o'clock in the morning, which meant we had to get up at 5 a.m. at the hotel and catch the 6 a.m. bus. And so our kids just love that. <laughs> and so we're traveling on the magical express <coughs> to the airport. And one of the videos they show you on the on the way back to the airport is how wonderful the airport is and how accommodating and the hospitality that you will receive, how beautiful it is, and it's actually rated one of the best airports in the United States. And we had all this wonderful, lush experience to look forward to. Um, as we're traveling at 6.15 a.m. to the airport with six kids. As we get there, um, I didn't get the chance to check all of our luggage because it was another mistake that I had made. Uh, and so I had to wait for some of our luggage under the bus. Uh, and so as I'm waiting, I'm gathering, I turn and I look and Asher says, two of yours, as if they're not related to him. <laughs> Two of yours are throwing up in the trash can. <laughs> so thanks, Asher, uh, for that update and that report. So we haven't even made it into the most beautiful airport in America, and we have two, Marley and Lydia, who are throwing up. 
I was like, this is just perfect. So we have to go in because I didn't check in. Mistake number two. Uh, we had to wait through the ticket line. All right. And so it's a long, long line of, of business uh, travelers like Steve. Uh, who are annoyed by family travelers, travelers like me. And so uh, we have Marley in line saying, Daddy, I'm sick. And I'd say, well, tell your mother. And so they go to another trash can. And I'm like, how are we going to get through this wilderness? We get checked in, and it's under three different reservations, which is mistake number three that I have made. Four, you're keeping track. Alright, so the ticket guy is so confused. I had checked some of the luggage at the hotel, but not all. Very confusing. So we get it all. Uh, we start to make our way to the security line. That's very long. And Lydia says, Dad, i got to throw up. I said, well, here's the bag. And whatever. And so then we are trying to figure out, are they sick or are they car sick? And what are we going to do? Trying to get all these people through security. And then the ticket guy comes running because he had forgotten to print one of our tickets because it was so confusing. So we get through. Asher's hungry. Dad, I'm hungry. Annika, Dad, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Melissa yells out in front of everybody, Have I ever not failed to feed you children? McDonald's right over here. I know that, Asher, but we're in the security line. We can't get out of line to go to McDonald's. There'll be food on the other side. So we get through the line graciously because the security guys did a great job. And, uh, you know, you, ever, you have to take your shoes off and you got to stroll. That's just all kinds of crazy stuff to travel with the family. And so we get through, and the first thing Asher said is, there's no food here. And I said, it'll be on the other side. So now we got to get these two car sick children on a train, or whatever it's called, to get over to the gate. And uh, we get to over to the gate without throwing up on the train. And... Uh, get everybody off, and we pick our own little gate where nobody is. Uh, so let's just claim this gate, even though we're flying from another gate. Let's just claim this gate. <coughs> that way Marley and Lydia can grow up in peace. <laughs> and we will not be judged. Um, but anyway, so then um, as it's getting closer, and we did get some food in the older kids, um, the cleaning crew came through. And they noticed in the trash can. And so Melissa knows enough Spanish to know that they were not very happy. Because <laughs> they had to go all the way back to security and clean all the way and do all their disinfectant stuff um, all along the way. And so, probably leaving some details out, but we eventually get on the plane and everybody's fine. And the flight is good. And they were just motion sickness, I guess, but not real sick, which was good for the for, for everybody's sake. And one of the things that it, that long story helps us to think about is when you're in a place like Disney World, 
or you're at your favorite restaurant, um, it's a lot easier uh, not to complain. All right, so I'm helping us to try to visualize what's going on here with the Israelites. Uh, when you're taking children through airport lines of ticketing and security and transportation to the gate, uh, you're in this in-between state where they're hungry and you're promising them that something's coming in the future. Uh, they're tired and they're cranky and you're going to hear and you're going to feel all those complaints. Plus, you're tired and you're hungry. And so, all of you have experiences like that. Amen? Amen. So, it can help you to relate. And you put on top of it that the experience that the Israelites were undertaking was much more serious. You know, my airport problems, that's a first world problem. You know, we're, we're blessed to be able to go take that trip. Uh, but this is life and death. They're trying to escape slavery uh, to this land that's been promised to them by God, and they got to wander around here in this wilderness. They escape Pharaoh, they cross the water, and they're in this place where they think it's going to be filled with milk and honey, and it's not. Amen? Okay, so that's where they find themselves. They find themselves wandering around the desert, the wilderness, and traveling, picking up, including families with children, including mother-in-laws and father-in-laws and, and whole extended families and clans that they're picking up and they're moving every few days. And, and, and it's a, a terrible conditions of travel. And so you can understand why they would tend to complain. What we have here in Numbers 11 is not the first Time we hear them complain. This is not the first series of complaints, in other words. What we have here is an opportunity um, to look in detail of what's happening after they've been in the wilderness a little bit of time. Um, and in fact, actually, the first time we hear them complain is back in Exodus, uh, chapters 15 through 17 will be interesting homework for you. But if you remember those complaints, uh, they're complaining uh, to God because, first of all, the water was bitter. Remember that? How God solved that problem? Anybody remember how God solved the bitter water problem? He said, there's a tree over there. Knock it down, throw it in the water. So throw, Moses throws the tree in the water and it makes the water drinkable. Uh, then they were hungry in the same series. They were hungry and uh, that's when uh, he rained down bread. And then finally, they go a little bit further in chapter 17, and they're thirsty again. There's no water. And that's when Moses uh, touches the rock with the staff, and God provides water through that experience. What's interesting about that is those are complaints where God solved their problems and did not punish. God wasn't angry enough to punish them over those complaints. Those complaints are a little bit different than what we hear in Numbers 11 that June just read for us. And here's how it's different in two ways. One's a fundamental way and one's details. The first is in the details. We'll, we'll, we'll tackle that first. When they're complaining back in Exodus, they're legitimate complaints. They need water to survive, and there is no water to drink twice. Once it is too bitter, so they complain out to God, and God solves their problems. 
They're hungry. There literally is no food. So they complain to God. So God hears that complaint and answers it. No problem there. And then number three, they're thirsty again. There's literally no water. And God provides water through the rock. So these are fundamental environmental issues for life in the early, early part of the wilderness. And God hears the complaint, solves the problem. Got that? Say amen. amen. It's very important. The second part of this story is of, of, of when it happens. Those complaints back in Exodus happen before the covenant. So Moses hasn't got the Ten Commandments, in other words, yet. All right? And so what some scholars would say is it was a time of courtship. It was a time of the people of Israel being birthed. And if we would have been here a couple weeks ago, I mean, that's what we would have preached about is the wilderness being a time of, of origin or birth of the people of God. And so it's before the covenant. So God hears their complaint before the covenant, and he's a little bit more patient with them, in other words. And then, and then add on to the fact that it's details, but it's actually real complaints, real issues that had to be solved. Now the problem here in Numbers 11 is, goes against those two issues. Number one, fundamentally, it's after the covenant. They are the people of God. Yeah, they're not in the promised land yet, but they have a covenant with God. They have promised to follow God, and God has promised to be with them. They're in a covenant relationship. Amen? And so this complaint's coming after that. <coughs> after that. Number two is they're complaining about the type of food that they're getting. You go into Chick-fil-A and the kids want to go to McDonald's. You you register that complaint in our car when Melissa's in the passenger seat, and you ought to hear how she speaks to our children. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> you should pray for her. <laughs> And so that raises a level of anger for God. It's like, hey, I'm providing for you. Put me in pity, in other words. And so that makes this complaint different. And then on top of it, um, you know, get after the covenant. So today's message is about um, the wilderness being a place of testing. And not in terms of... God is willing to test us to see how strong we are or giving us um, things that are tough to handle again to see how strong not that kind of testing it's testing on a, a fundamental level in terms of uh, a test you have an opportunity to pass or to fail right and so this is an opportunity to fail or pass the test of when you're not living in the promised land yet Will you still trust God? Can you still trust God when things aren't going well? Amen? Alright? And so that's a test. That's a test where all of us can relate to. Unless your life is perfect. Anybody's life perfect here? Anybody living heaven on earth here every day? Some days are wonderful and glorious and heaven-like. And we get a foretaste and we experience miracles and all that. But on an everyday basis, none of us are going to have a perfect 2016. And so we're going to have our own individual wilderness experiences. Um, some of them are going to be longer than others. And so this is a test that we can relate to. We've got to God's testing them in that regard. They're not in the promised land yet. But they are in a covenant relationship. 
God promised to be with them, and, and God promised to be faithful to them, and they promised to follow. Now, when the going gets tough, uh, they're complaining. They're failing the test here. And so here's how this specifically plays out. I love this first part. The Lord heard and became angry at their complaint. The fire burned them and consumed the edges of the camp. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Um, and then you get into the, the long part of this story. I love my translation. Uh, most translations say the rabble. Uh, mine says the riprap. The riprap. The riprap among them had a strong craving. And even the Israelites, so it's kind of spreading. It starts with the riffraff, the rabble, and it spreads. They're complaining because even when they were in Egypt, things were better. Even as they were slaves, at least they ate well. And so then they're complaining to Moses, and then Moses complains to God. That's where we get this beautiful and, and awesome line where he says, if you're going to treat me like this, God, please kill me. So Moses is stressed out. Moses is stressed out. The Lord starts to solve Moses' problem by saying, hey, get 70 people together, 70 men, and, and we'll start sharing some of this responsibility. That's going to be a recurring theme for Moses, and it happens here in this case. And he says, um, I'm going to spread out some of the spirit that's on you among them. And so, and then we get all the, the part where God says, okay, I hear you cry, uh, and now you're going to get so much meat, and this is where we all chuckle, it's going to come out of your nostril, nostrils, and it's going to nauseate you. And so that's how that this part of the story ends. And then what Moses complains back to God says, "Wait a minute, God, how are you going to provide so much meat?" And then they have this little power discussion um, where God says, "Moses, you don't think I can do this?" Um, and so they have this little little conversation that's pretty powerful. And so with that. And with this wilderness experience, this wilderness survival, how do we survive the wilderness experience ourselves? And this season of Lent gives us an opportunity to pause in the midst of our year, whether things are going great for us or whether it's a struggle or somewhere in between. It gives us a yearly reminder um, that we're not there yet. Um, the kingdom hasn't come in full yet. Victory at the cross, yes, but we still have something to look forward to. And, in, and so we're in this in-between time. We've escaped the slavery of sin and death from Jesus' work at the cross as the Israelites escaped Pharaoh. Uh, yet we're not in uh, the promised land until, until Jesus returns and, we're in the, and the heavenly kingdom comes to us. And so we're in that in-between area as the Israelites were in the wilderness. And Lent helps us to be confronted with that. And so I want to draw our attention, Sarah, can you put the picture up of the encampment? Draw our attention to the first couple of verses for you to take away with you today. This is a small picture, I'll describe it for you. Uh, but anyway, uh, the first couple of verses of this story, where it says, uh, when the people complained intensely in the Lord's hearing, the Lord heard and became angry. Then the Lord's fire burned them and consumed the edges of the camp. The edges of the camp. The tabernacle there is in the center of the encampment. And then all the tribes of Israel camped around it. And so all you have to be able to see is the little ridge covering, the red roof of the tabernacle. Um, that 
And, and inside that tabernacle, there was a holy of holies where the ark was stored. And so if they were camping out for the night or nights, the ark was inside the tabernacle. And so that symbolized the, where God was. And so God was not only with them, God was at the center of the families. And so everybody else camped around uh, the outside. And they had a very particular way of how they camped. Um, we'll get into that today. But the point is, God was at the center. <laughs> the scripture says that the complaints were coming from the outer edges. The riffraff was from the outer edges. Are they closer or further away from God in this picture? <laughs> further away. Further away. So you want to survive the wilderness experience, we've got to be as close to God as possible. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is a simple message. It's a, you know, a complicated 20-minute introduction for a two-minute message. The two-minute message is that the closer we are to God, the more likely we are to survive this life we call the wilderness. And the, more, the closer you are to God, the less likely you and I are to complain about things that really don't matter. Amen? Now let me, just in case you're confused, this is not a message and this is not a story that says there's never a time to complain to God. A complaint to God is a very faithful act of following God. Every third psalm in the Bible is a complaint to God. But it's a complaint about real issues. I remember in this story, they're complaining about a type of food. If you're hungry and starving and have no food, you can complain to God and not going to get struck down by fire. If that's clear, say amen. Amen. I just wanted to make sure of that. But the closer you are to the center of God, the less likely you are to get consumed by the riffraff, to get all caught up in complaining about things that simply don't matter in terms of life and death. And so, it's, this is a great reminder. This is a great reminder, a great story to remind us that we have got to remain close to God. And, we, and God has to be center of our life. If you want to get a glimpse of how close you are to God, how close God is to being the center of your life, you know, just hold a mirror up to yourself and up to your calendar and up to your relationships, and up to all the different things in your life, and in my life, and we can get a pretty good self-image picture of how close we are to God being to the center. If you live your life in a state of complaint, you're probably on the outer edges. If you live your life in constant faith that God is with you, even during difficult times, you're probably a little bit closer to the center. Amen. One of the great things about being Methodist is we have this long tradition that starts with John Wesley that emphasizes being close to God and that there are ways that we can work ourselves closer to God through the power of the Holy Spirit. John Wesley calls them um, the ordinances of God, means of grace. And so again, another reminder today that... Um, when we participate in the means of grace, um, it helps us to get closer to that center. 
to move in from the outer edges where we're suspect to everything that's going around us and get closer to God. So Wesley, the means of grace for things like reading your scriptures. You read your scriptures every day, you're going to get closer to that center. Um, you're, you're helping out in your community, helping your neighbors out, helping strangers out. In times of need, you're getting closer to that center. Your baptism is a special means of grace we call a sacrament. That's getting you closer to the center. Visiting the sick and the imprisoned, getting you closer to the center. Giving of your resources, your time and of your money and of your gifts, getting you closer to the center. And then today we get to celebrate Holy Communion or just coming to church, uh, coming to worship, getting you closer to the center. Today we celebrate at the table. It's a special means of grace. Again, a sacrament. Uh, God promises to be there, and that gets us closer to the center. And by doing those things and participating and staying in love and falling in love with God through the ordinances of God that God's gifted us with, again, doesn't promise us that our life's going to be easy. But it helps us to pass the test that we experience in this wilderness life of whether we're going to and can remain faithful even on a bad day. Can we minimize or even limit our complaints to God about things that aren't life and death? This helps us be confronted with that on this particular Sunday, in this particular time of year that we call the Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to leave it there. And then we're going to gather at the table today. And everyone here is invited to participate. You don't have to be a member of our church to come to the Lord's table.
transform our hearts, transform our minds, transform our actions as we go out into the world uh, representing the love and grace of Christ. To also transform this bread and wine, make it be for us the body and blood of Jesus the Christ, um, in order that we can be filled with grace all over again today. And so it is that we offer this meal on behalf of Christ to all of us that are gathered here today. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to receive today um, in two lines. The other will gather us in two lines. We'll come down um, and receive standing up. Certainly, if you want to pray at the rail before you go back to your seat, you're more than welcome to do that. Again, everybody's invited. You don't have to be a member of our church to participate in the community today. I do need some assistance. 